I'm looking around, I'm wondering where, there they are, okay. <laughs> I, uh, I spoke last Friday night about the eclipse and about the events in Charlottesville, and it, I had planned to just speak about the eclipse, but as we were talking before the service, there's always something every week, something around the world, but often just south of our border. I want to give a sermon one week where I don't have to mention those things. I want, to give, I want to have a week where I don't have to notice and look at those things where I can turn away from them. It has felt very much like an assault on my soul, what happened in Charlottesville. It's impossible for me to comprehend, though I know it's all too real, that in the year 2017, there are Nazis marching down the streets of an American city. I read with great despair and sorrow the letter of which I shared with you as a congregation, of the president of the Reform Congregation in Charlottesville as he spoke about standing outside the doors of his synagogue, standing watch on that Saturday morning as they were in services and across the street in full Nazi regalia where white supremacists with automatic and semi-automatic weapons staring back at them in the streets of Charlottesville in 2017. He shared with us in that letter and I shared with you that the synagogue had to remove the Torahs from their sanctuary in advance of that march, not sure that they would be safe there and place them instead in a separate location far away and safe and secure. That when their Shabbat morning services ended, they instructed their congregation to leave through the back door in 2017 in Charlottesville, Virginia, in the United States of America, and to leave in groups for safety and security. I can't believe that this is happening. And I know some will downplay it and say it's a radical fringe and just a few that got a lot of attention, and, and maybe that's true. But then it was compounded by a president of the United States that was tone deaf to the false moral equivalency that he had created in his inartful, and then it turned out to be rather true expressions of his feelings remarks. And that was like another body blow. Because throughout my life, no matter the president and the party, in moments of national crisis, the country that I grew up in had always come together, had always found the right words. I remember President Bush, who I was not particularly a fan of, after 9-11, standing in, shirt, in, in socked feet in a mosque in New York City. I remembered President Reagan, when the Challenger shuttle blew up, speaking so eloquently about the loss of life of the teacher that I, as a school child, had all come to see as a hero. And Barack Obama speaking many, many times after shootings, and particularly Sandy Hook. And all the presidents that I can remember at moments, even Jimmy Carter in the midst of the hostage crisis. So I felt, in a way, abandoned. And I needed something to uplift. And two things happened this past week. One was Saturday morning while we were here in synagogue and shortly after the rally that took place down at City Hall here in Vancouver, where 12 or 15 white supremacists were outnumbered by 4,000 Vancouverites who would come out in support of each other, support of diversity, support of speaking out against racism and hate and anti-Semitism and Islamophobia and all forms of bigotry. And although there were 
radical lefties and radical righties there, there was peace and there was an understanding that this cannot happen here, not in our town. And then this afternoon, right before I left the synagogue for service, for home, for Shabbat, I got an email. I got an email from an imam that I got to know a little bit during some of our refugee work. And he wrote to me out of the blue, saying that his community was scared, as he knew our community was too. That they were worried about hate crime and they were worried about growing Islamophobia in the community, but also within their own community. And they knew that the best way to combat racism, anti-Semitism, and bigotry was to gain an understanding of each other. And so he had gathered a group of people from his mosque and asked if they could come to synagogue in the next couple of weeks just to sit and observe our services, to see what we're all about. And I was so heartened by that email. I was so encouraged by it because I had been thinking the same thing, wanting to get a group together also to go to a mosque and just to have an exchange, just so that we get to know each other. Because the truth is, we're all being picked on right now. If you are other, you are a target in this world. And so I wrote him back and I said, absolutely, as long as we can come to you too. And then we agreed to have an exchange of our teenagers as well in the next couple of months where they'll have a dialogue with each other also. I'm not one who thinks that every cloud has a silver lining and that everything happens for a reason and that lemons and lemonade and all of those things. I, I think that it, those are nice platitudes, but that's not quite the karma of things. Or I don't believe I should say in the karma of things. But there is a silver lining and there is lemonade out of what's going on, and that is a coming together of people of good moral character, a coming together people of right-mindedness, of integrity, of compassion, of empathy. I celebrate the Republicans in the United States who came out courageously against the president and said, no, that's too far. And those who have recognized that we cannot keep pulling each other apart like this and have to come together. And so if that's the silver lining in all of this and the lemonade, then I will drink it and I will bask in it. And we all should. So two years ago, almost to the day now, we began this project to sponsor, at that time, just one refugee family from the conflict in Syria. And then because of your abundance of generosity and kindness and encouragement, we raised enough money to sponsor two families. And I've answered the question many times, how did you pick the families? And the truth was, it was a very quick and simple process. We asked Mosaic, one of the immigrant aid societies, to meet just some very simple criteria that it had to be a couple or a couple with small children. We thought you would have children eventually, so we were betting on that. <laughs> family with young children, a family reunification, so they had family here, and they had to be desperate and in need. And beyond that, it didn't matter religion or color or creed, we just wanted to help. And so your application was the second in the pile. We took the first, we took the second. There are only three commandments in the Torah that command us to love. We're commanded to love God, we're commanded to love our neighbor, and we're commanded to love the stranger. The Kotzka Rebbe, 
A Rebbe is the, the wise teacher of a village or a community. The Kotzka Rebbe, the great 19th century Hasidic master, was said to have asked his students, how come there's no commandment to love your children? His students answered that it was implicit. And so the Rebbe asked, in which mitzvah is it implicit? In which commandment of those three is it implied? One student answered, in the commandment to love God. The Rebbe said, no, that's too abstract. All commandments lead to that. Everything is included in that commandment. A second student answered, it's implicit, it's implied in the commandment to love your neighbor, your fellow human being. The Kotzka Rebbe replied, no, your fellow human being implies equality of stature, that we are all equal in all human beings, but that's not the commandment to love children. And so the Rebbe then explained it's implied in the commandment to love the stranger. The Rebbe asked rhetorically then, who in this world arrives more fragile, more alien, more naked and barren of possessions than a baby? Who is more a stranger than a newborn child, completely dependent upon the kindness, the compassion, and love of others? The stranger is. For me, loving the stranger is the greatest and most important of our commandments to love because it leads to the creation of love. Because it's the least obvious of the commandments, the most challenging of mitzvot. We are measured and judged by our capacity and our willingness to love the stranger who dwells among us, no matter who they are. And how do we know when we fulfill that commandment? When the stranger is no longer a stranger. When the stranger becomes your fellow becomes your friend and your family. We've only known the Issa family since the beginning of June. And already I know amongst the committee that has been working so closely with you, Sheldon and Fran particularly, and all of those that are part of your team, that they already feel like you are their children and their grandchildren. And as we get to know you as a congregation, that you are part of our family as well. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to fulfill this mitzvah, to love the stranger so that you're no longer a stranger, that you're new Canadians, that you're part of our family. It's my pleasure to welcome Bauer and Shinhat and their son Omed to the Bima. They have some words to share with us and a presentation to make, please. Hello everyone. Just at the beginning, I want to present. It's my pleasure to present you this. This is for you. Thank you. It's Thank a plaque that says, and it has the Canadian flag and the Kurdish flag, the flag of Kurdistan. Elegant souls are those who act by virtue, despite the severity of the difference between them and others. My family and I thank you for your collaboration. And here it has my name on the bottom, and I believe this one. Yes, it's my pleasure also to present this to Temple Shalom. The same one. Name and it offers the same quote 
And it says, my family and I thank you for your collaboration, Temple Shalom. It's beautiful. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Paula. Thank you. Thank you. Hello again. Uh, thanks so much for all of you. Thanks for Temple Shalom. Uh, thanks for this invitation, which led me and my family to thanks all of you. Uh, I know there is many people who helped and supported me, and I didn't, I didn't have chance to meet, meet them yet. Uh, also, I, I, I thanks uh, all of uh, the team and uh, who supported me uh, during this period before I came to Canada. I contacted too many, too many uh, people from Temple Shalom who helped and supported me. Like thanks for Rabbi Dan, thanks for uh, Sheldon, Fran, Lynn, Rochelle, uh, Richard, Brenda. Thanks for all of you. I know there is many people who helped and supported me, but actually I didn't have chance to meet them, but hope to see, to see all of them soon. Uh, my journey from Syria to Vancouver was a long and terrible journey, actually. Uh, when, the Syrian, when the Syrian war, I don't know if it's named Syrian war, because at the beginning it was the Syrian revolution against Bashar al-Assad, then it became Syrian war, then I don't know, I think now it's Syrian crisis. So when the Syrian war started, I discussed with my family about uh, the bad situation of in general in Syria and especially in my hometown Al Qamishli. So we decided to move to Kurdistan region because of we are Kurdish. Uh, we moved to Erbil, the capital of Kurdistan region. Uh, we stayed there for four years. Uh, after two years, after we we moved to Erbil, unfortunately, the war also started there. We left Syria because we think we thought that uh, Kurdistan region is safe, but unfortunately, from war to war, ISIS came and the war started there in Erbil. My family moved to Europe, exactly to Germany. To be honest, I had chance to move to Europe, but it's it, it was like my like a dream to move to Canada. Uh, that time. I, I, I contacted with my relatives here in Canada to my sisters, Birivan Bahar, and to my cousin, Mustafa. I asked Mustafa if, if we have a chance to move to Canada. He, he, he told me that we will see maybe you have a chance uh, to move to Canada. After many days, weeks, months, exactly, I can't remember, Mustafa, Mustafa called me and told me, maybe you will have a chance to move to Canada and Temple Shalom will help you. After, after one month, uh, me and Shinhat was talking about that, this, this journey to Canada. Mustafa called me and said, congratulations. <laughs> Temple Shalom sponsored you, and you will move to Canada. I stopped for a few seconds. Then I said, Shinhat, we'll move to Canada. Our dream, our dream will be true. Uh, my journey started from Erbil from Erbil to Istanbul for four hours. We stayed at the uh, airport of Istanbul in Turkey, eight hours. Then we moved to Toronto for 11 hours. Uh, we stayed overnight at Toronto one night. Then from Toronto to Vancouver, five hours. Now we are here. So that I want to thank you that to be one of your community and now we are in Vancouver because uh, we was planning, me and Shinhat, we were planning to, to make a good future for our baby. Uh, 
so that uh, every time me and Shinhat uh, were thinking about this and Temple Shalom give us this opportunity to come to Canada. Thanks again. Uh, now I'm in Canada in Vancouver and actually Temple Shalom helped and support me in many ways and uh, Temple Shalom uh, supported me to get a fully furnished apartment in a good location, uh, start studying English, uh, finished all documentation of the government. So now <laughs> we, are, we are good because of Temple Shalom. So thanks very much. Thanks again. Thank thanks for all of you. Thanks. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Bauer and Shinan Omed will be at our, our Oneg afterwards, a chance to meet them and to, and to say hello. I also want to tell you that on September 10th, which is the Sunday, the first Sunday of our religious school, at 11.30 we're going to have a community-wide or a synagogue-wide program here to meet the Isa family as well as the, uh, the Mustafa family, the other family that we've sponsored. We'll do a program here in the sanctuary at 11.30 where we'll tell their story with pictures and, and, and dialogue. And then uh, afterwards, there'll be a reception for all those that would want to come. And the, both the Isa family and the Mustafa family are going to be providing some Kurdish desserts for us to enjoy. That's September 10th at 11.30 on, on the first Sunday of religious Excuse school. Excuse me one thing more, yeah. if I can say that. Of course. After I arrived to Canada, because, because of, uh, we are Kurdish or Muslim, many people asked me, my friends, relative uh, families in Syria, asked me, if I, have, if I have been surprised that Jewish community so sponsored me. Actually, we didn't surprise. Because when we were, uh, when we were a student uh, at Syria, as a student uh, at the school, elementary school, secondary school, high school, and when we moved to study at the university, every morning they, they brainwashed us to hate Israel. Every morning, they, uh, the teacher was telling us that don't forget that Israel is the first enemy of you. Jewish is the first enemy of you, so don't forget that. When we go back to home and ask our father, so what about this? Is Israel is our first enemy? Jewish is our first enemy? My father, my father was telling me that forget that and don't care about that uh, because his Al-Ba'as party. I, I don't know if you heard about Al-Ba'as party. It's a party who lead Syria now. Uh, my father one day told me that uh, when Saddam fighted Kurdish by chemical, Israel was the first country uh, uh, that sent uh, medical aid to Kurds after Saddam fight Kurds by medical. And uh, he told me when uh, Mustafa al-Barazani, the father of our current president in Kurdistan region, he is like a hysterical leader for us. My father told me that also Israel supported supported Mustafa al-Barazani. Until now, actually these days, Israel now is the first country who supported Kurdistan region because the next month we have referendum at September 25th. We have referendum to, to let people say yes or not to separate from Iraq. So every time, every time in Syria, they were telling us that don't forget Israel is the first enemy. So my father and my mother and my relatives tell us don't don't care about that. Don't believe that. But after we grew up, we started recognizing about this, if it's right or not. So 
actually we didn't surprise that a Jewish community so sponsored us. Wow. Thanks for you. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank, Thank you for sharing so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. really a remarkable thing in a world that seems to be eclipsed in darkness so much that we can bring some light not only to their lives but as you know they bring even more to us and a chance to fulfill this mitzvah so thank you our congregation for doing this incredible mitzvah to save a life and to create friendship out of strangers our service continues